It is good to be here this morning with you on Pentecost Sunday. About five weeks ago, I was in my study in my condo on a Friday afternoon. I was reading, and I suddenly heard rain pelting the windows, the sliding glass doors, and furniture began to move. And I realized that I had a lightweight lounge chair out on my balcony up on the 11th floor of this building, and a huge storm had blown in across the gulf. So I ran into my living room where I was going to go out through the sliders and grab that lounge chair just in time to see it levitate a little up off the ground, slam into the sliding glass doors, fold itself shut, and fall down on the tile. Fortunately, there are hurricane shutters and no damage was done. Storms have a tendency of catching our attention here in Florida, don't they? We even have names for them like Michael and Irma and Katrina and Charlie. But you know, storms also, a windstorm, a mighty wind, had a huge effect one day long ago in Jerusalem on a day when the festival of Pentecost was being celebrated. Now, the day of Pentecost, which we're celebrating today, has become an important part of our Christian church calendar, but it doesn't get the attention of a Christmas or an Easter because it hasn't been secularized. I mean, it doesn't have a Santa Claus or an Easter bunny. It is purely a day of anointing for the church. And so it's not known out there in the world that doesn't worship God and and. Jesus Christ, and so the day can kind of slip away from us, but we we make a mistake if we think that the Holy Spirit still isn't at work in us and through us and with us today. So I'd like to turn to uh, scripture from Acts chapter 2 that describes a little bit about how that day unfolded. This is what it says. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. That speaking in other languages was really important because Jews had gathered in Jerusalem from all around the world And many of them didn't speak the dominant language that was spoken in Jerusalem. And yet, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the disciples were enabled to preach the good news in languages so that everyone who was present could hear it. It was an event that had been promised by Jesus before he ascended to heaven. He promised the disciples that he wouldn't leave them as orphans, but that he would send an advocate to be with them and to guide them. And that happened on that day, and the church was born. The disciples were commissioned to go out and create with God this thing we call the body of Christ, the church, where the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God the Father are inseparable. Pentecost was aimed directly at the church. It is the church's birthday. It reminds us the church was created as a community. The Holy Spirit didn't come down and visit the disciples one at a time that day. came in a powerful way, in a windstorm and tongues of flame, so that the church would do great things, not in its own power, in its own name, but in Jesus' name, through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And the emphasis was on God's strength, not ours. And the result was completely and utterly spectacular. The Holy Spirit descended in that windstorm, and suddenly Peter the denier became Peter the preacher who was brave. He declared the truth of Jesus Christ and admonished those listeners that you, you are the ones who crucified him. And on that day, thousands repented and believed and were baptized. It was completely and utterly spectacular. But sometimes we forget one of the verses that he spoke that day in his sermon. Where he said, but everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He didn't say white people will be saved or only black people would be saved. He didn't say only men would be saved or only women would be saved. He didn't say people would be saved based on who they loved or the accent in which they spoke their language. He said those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And it was an important message and it was spectacular. And spectacular is easy because it's obvious. Spectacular inspires us. And spectacular serves as its own witness. And the church's birthday that day was spectacular. So we looked around at the church today, and I'm talking about the church with a capital C, the whole church. And I have to ask myself sometimes, as one charged by my ordination to connect the church to the needs of the world, what happened to spectacular Instead of one church, we have 40,000 denominations divided by doctrine, by interpretations of morals and ethics. Division after division have caused people who don't know Jesus wonder why they should care about the church. And as Pastor Bob spoke about a few weeks ago, many people out there who don't know Jesus think that if we reflect Jesus, they want nothing to do with him because sometimes we act like hypocrites. People have used scripture to justify racism, sexism, marginalizing people based on color or gender or based on who they love. The church seemed to lose that special zeal that it had in the early days once it became accepted nationally, once the church was no longer made up of the underdogs. And we need to regain that today because we are becoming a minority and the church has not fulfilled its mission yet. As culture has become more focused on the individual, we drifted away from wanting to do what was good for the whole church, for the whole body of Christ, and for the community. We grasped onto that rugged individualism. And we know our rights. We know what we're entitled to. And slowly but surely through the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and even to today, there were times when the church sought to preserve what was comfortable instead of what would draw those who don't know Jesus Christ into the community of faith. Church scandals began to make the news. And it's time 
for us to stand and say the Holy Spirit is still alive and working among us and we need to regain what that Acts 2 church had so many years ago. What happens when there is no holy hurricane? What happens when there is no burning bush or the waters don't part so we can walk on the easy path on dry land? What happens when we find ourselves in the middle of the song Caitlin just sang for us, when we find ourselves in over our heads? When we find ourselves in that place, we have to turn once again. We have to recommit ourselves to Christ and call upon the Holy Spirit. As individuals, we have to get our own individual spiritual lives in order so that we can be part of a greater community that remembers its mission and its call to go into the world to make disciples for Jesus Christ. We need to realign and ask the Holy Spirit to remind us that we share a common faith and to give us teachable spirits and to prepare us to subordinate ourselves once again to what the church is supposed to do as community and mission together in the world. You know, in this kind of work, this self-work, the Holy Spirit isn't always so spectacular. And we love spectacular. But sometimes the Holy Spirit works in much quieter ways. We have to listen for a quiet correction. We have to pay attention to feel a gentle nudge. I know that it works that way because, well, at least it worked that way for me. There was nothing spectacular about the journey I made from 10 years ago to today. Well, maybe there was a little spectacular along the way. I can remember 12, 13 years ago, before I came back to church, when I look back at my life, there were certain days that I thought, these are the days I'm going to be remembering as the most special days of my life. The first was the day that I was commissioned an officer in the United States Army. The second was the day I married Bruce. It wasn't spectacular. It was me and Bruce with a one army chaplain and Bruce's stepmother, Lal, in a chapel at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. There wasn't white dresses and organ music. We said our vows quietly. And we didn't realize that day that God blessed our marriage. That God entered into a covenant with us that maybe wasn't going to bear fruit for a long time. The Holy Spirit was there, but it wasn't spectacular. And then there was a day just a few years ago, about 10 years ago now, August 8th, 2009. It's, I consider it my birthday. My real birthday is May 13th, but August 8th, 2009, I couldn't sleep. You see, the Holy Spirit had been bugging me for a year. I came back to church. I attended pretty faithfully. I even joined the church up in Eastlake. And one day I marched into Pastor Bob's office and just made sure he knew that I didn't want to be called upon to be parts of committees. I wasn't going to take part in bake sales. I was a really busy woman. And about a month later, he asked me to be on the staff parish team. He still doesn't listen. <laughs> yeah, amen. <laughs> but you know, 